Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We thank you for this beautiful Sunday that you have given us. Lord, we thank you that the witness team can be with us this morning and bring us some specials and music. Lord, most of all, we ask that we would worship you in our singing. And Lord, in the preaching and in the invitation time, that you'd be honored and glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Chapter 16, Matthew chapter 16. And uh, we'll be reading probably the most famous part of this chapter, but uh, not putting our main attention there this morning. Matthew chapter 16. And let's just start reading in verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, that shall, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then shall he reward every man according to his works. This passage is a very pivotal passage in the Bible. In fact, certain religions have built their entire history upon what is clearly a misunderstanding of this passage. And we're not here to criticize other religions. What we are here to do is to preach this book called the Bible. Amen. And, and I would love to go through the history of the church and deal with all of the issues that are here. But 
What I've chosen for our main uh, theme this morning, our key text, is verse 25. For whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You know, we live in a very uncertain world, do we not? Everyone is looking, everyone is trying. Uh, if you listen to any of the talk show hosts, you get these constant ads. Put your money in something that is worth something. Put it in gold. Hey, let me tell you something. There'll be a day when gold is worthless. Because you can't eat it. But then listen to the next advertiser. He will sell you dehydrated food that will last on the shelf for 25 years. Let me ask you a question. How many of you want to get something off a shelf that's 25 years old and eat it? Uh, be my guest if that's something you want to do. The Bible says the way up is down. The way down is up. It's exactly the opposite. Now, I've played the saxophone since I was just a young man, and everyone has always given me the little joke, well, if you don't toot your own horn, nobody else will. Well, that's true. I'm not sharing reeds with any living person. Amen? Ugh. But it doesn't work that way with your real relationship with the real God. The first point I want us to grab this morning, this passage is not about Peter. This passage is not about the apostles. This passage is not about what the apostles are going to do or how they're going to behave or what is going to go on. This passage is about Jesus. And may I challenge you, this entire book called the Bible is about Jesus. It's all about him. It's not about anybody or anything else. And when we go into a passage and we try to bring out glory and praise to another human being, we got problems. I love that song they sang uh, last night. And if you weren't here to hear him sing last night, boy, you missed a lot. But they sang that song and one of the lines is, when you read that Bible, if there's a problem, the problem's with you. Now, I like that songwriter. Uh, because that's true. There's no problems with this book called the Bible. It doesn't need updated. It doesn't need edited. It doesn't need somebody to translate it for you. And unless it's written in a different language than you speak. I always get a little frustrated when somebody says, but that's your interpretation. Uh, them's fighting words. It's not my interpretation. I mean, uh, and where I like to go when somebody has a problem, I said, let's go to Romans 3.23. Quote it, if you know it. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Please interpret that for me. I mean, all means everybody. Sin is disobey God. You're not as good as God is. 
Unless you're a politician, amen. Oh, I get so tired of that. They got all the answers. How come none of them work? This passage is about Jesus and nobody or nothing else. You go back to verse uh, 16 here, and Peter makes a statement. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. It says, thou art the chosen one, you're the only one, the Son of the living God. Now, Jesus says something here, and he says, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. You didn't figure this out because you're smarter than the rest of the disciples. Read your New Testament. Peter certainly couldn't make that claim now, could he? Uh, Let me tell you something here. Peter, in spite of his problems, loved the God of heaven. And because he loved the God of heaven, he loved his son, Jesus Christ. You can't help it. Anybody that says they can do anything different there has got a real problem as far as the scripture is concerned. You cannot love the Father and not love the Son. You must accept them both. But we get down to verse 22, and Jesus says, Get thee behind me! And then he calls Peter a name. How many times in the Bible did Jesus look at someone and call them a name? Not very often. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. What a lie. Do you think Jesus did this lightly or carelessly? Do you think he was trying to hurt Peter in any way? No. He had Peter's best interest in mind here, but he called him Satan. He said, Peter, you're acting just like the devil. Not very good uh, material to make a pope out of, huh? I mean, that's a scary thought. That's why we don't put credence in the person of Peter. We want it in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, Peter was going to do something. He was going to protect Jesus. If you were here for Sunday school, my son Peter taught the lesson on David, and and he and... and, uh, the guys that drove the uh, the cart were going to protect the ark of God, and one of them ended up dead. God doesn't need protecting. We we do not need apologist for Jesus today. We need believers in Jesus. There's a great difference. You see, we want to make it all about us. God wants to make it all about Christ. You cannot save your life. I'm old enough now. My, my life is set. And I'll tell you what, I'm praising the Lord. 
I'm glad that I made the decisions I did when I was the age of these young college students because it's determined everything about my life and I praise the Lord for the good things. And he's already forgiven the bad. You know why? Because it's not about me, it's about him. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, we have this idea. I'll get over it. I'll deal with it. One of the biggest lies in our world today. I take responsibility for my actions. Oh, don't. let's just not go there. Who actually takes responsibility for their actions? If they do, why do we have to put them on trial? Why do we have to hire lawyers? Why do we have to pay to put them in prison? If they just took responsibility for their actions, we wouldn't have any of this stuff. Now, would we? How come everybody wants to take responsibility for what they've done after they've already done it? Uh, That's not the way life works, my friend. If you want to take responsibility, don't do it in the first place. There's only one problem. We've already quoted the verse. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. You've already done, done it, my friend. I know that's not good English. But it describes the situation very well now, doesn't it? We're in trouble. You see, I need somebody to take care of my sin. You need somebody to take care of your sin. And you can't do it. You cannot provide for yourself. Now, you got to get the picture here uh, in, in the scriptures. And, and let your mind look here as Jesus is there uh, in, in this city. And they're looking over here. It tells us that... Um, they're in the coast of Caesarea Philippi, maybe right on the Mediterranean shore. Beautiful area. And he gathers his disciples around and he says, Listen, I want to know what people are saying about me. And we could spend the whole morning just talking about the descriptions of Jesus, could we not? Elijah, the man that kind of fire down from heaven and destroyed the prophets of Baal. I like that guy. But who was the next one? Oh, John the Baptist. I'm sorry. How could, how could I skip John the Baptist in a Baptist church? That's a scary point there, isn't it? Got to get my readers on here, help out here. John the Baptist or Elias, Elijah, and others. Jeremiah. How many of you remember the story of Jeremiah? How many of you remember his sobriquet, the name that he was given because it characterized his life? He was the weeping prophet. How do you get Elijah, the wild man, out of the wilderness like John the Baptist? I mean, we see the connection there. And the next one was Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, the tender one. I'll tell you what, because Jesus was more than any individual man. And then he asked the question, who do you say that I am? Peter says, listen, we've been around you long enough to know you're not any other man. You are God in the flesh. That's what the Christ, the Son of the living God, that's what that title means. 
And everybody reads this passage and say, well, look at Peter. Look, look, look what he said here about Peter and all these things. Hey, Peter had the keys. Yeah. He preached the first gospel message on Pentecost. He preached the first gospel message to the Gentiles of the Italian band, Cornelius. If, if you have that heritage, you can rejoice in that. Hasn't done us any good since then, but uh, Peter simply opened the doors. The doors are open. Uh, Jesus isn't going to shut them, amen? But Jesus says, this is who I am. Now I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And he showed his disciples that he was going to go up to Jerusalem and he was going to suffer many things and he was going to be killed. And Peter grabs a hold of him and says, No! I'm going to protect you! Oh, come on. Jesus can't be protected. He said, you got to understand, I'm setting the example for you. I'm not going to protect my life. I am not going to do the things that I would do. I am not going to be comfortable. In fact, no one had given a thought at this point. They were all worried about the cross. But let me tell you, from the hills of Caesarea Philippi to the cross wasn't near the journey that heaven's glory to Bethlehem's manger had already been. Jesus had already humbled himself in ways that are beyond human comprehension. You see, Christ would die on the cross. It's his death that brings life. It is the taking of his life and giving it for others that allows us to know the forgiveness of sins. This is not some theological idea. He would write this story with his own blood on the sands of time. Is it really that great of a thing that he would ask you and I to surrender our lives to him after he did all of this for us? Uh, Paul called it a reasonable service. And the only reason that it's reasonable is because you don't have anything else to give. I mean, that's the only thing that makes it reasonable that we should give our lives to Christ. Because is it reasonable that the God of heaven would sacrifice his life for us? Does that make any sense? Do you think that you deserve... The blood of the spotless Lamb of God, God, Emmanuel, God with us, that he would have to leave heaven and do all of these things to set us free. But he did it willingly. One of the most misquoted verses in all the Bible. God is love. See, God loves you so much. This is what he did. That's why it's all about him and none about us. He was showing his disciples that even though he is the Christ, the son of the living God, that he would suffer at the hands of sinful men and that he would be killed. But because he is God, he's not going to stay that way. Amen. 
But Jesus said, this is the example, verse 23, verse 24, I'm sorry. Then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. You see, the next verse, Jesus gives us an illustration. He said, what is a man profited if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Verse 27 says, for the Son of Man, Jesus is referring to himself, shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and he shall reward every man according to his works. I'd like you to stop this morning and think about as we talk about the worship of God. It says that every one of us is going to stand before God and we're going to be judged. Now, if that doesn't strike just a little fear in your soul, there's something wrong with your soul. To stand before a holy God... To stand before him who bears the prints of the nails in his hand and the scar in his side from the sword. And he is going to look at you individually and he's going to ask you a question. What have you done with what I have done before for you? He's going to ask you one question. Did you give your life to me? Or did you try to save your life? You know, we live in a world of high ideals, do we not? How many of you remember what you thought of yourself when you were young enough to still think that dumbly? Amen? You know what I'm talking about, right? We think way too much of ourselves. I'll tell you what, when I gave my life to Christ, he didn't get much. But I'm sure pleased with what he has done with it. I love Heartland Baptist Bible College because it's full of young people who have surrendered their lives to the gospel. Who have looked... And by the way, I've been on campus. Uh, we have the cream of the crop here today. They're not all perfect. I know because I have a few there myself. Amen. And we're not here to glorify them. Because if you were to ask one, any one of them, they would tell you. And they did in their testimonies. That's why we like to have them give testimonies. Hey, I was reading the Bible and God is dealing with me. That's where you're supposed to be. That's for all Christians, not just preachers, not just ministry uh, people training. If you are going to save your life, you're going to lose it. There's a lot of verses in the Bible. The first will be last, the last will be first. It says, 
that he's going to take away that which he seemeth to have because it never really belonged to him because if it did, he'd have gotten saved. If you have not Christ, when you stand in his presence, nothing else is going to matter, my friend. No amount of money, no accomplishments. Even if you had the whole world to offer him, if you owned it all, what would that be to the creator of the universe? Nothing. The only thing that matters is Christ. Now, are you going to stand before him? I did the best that I could. Here, here's what I have. This is what I've done for you. How many of you have ever been falsely accused? Now, if you're living, you probably have. You know one of the worst things you can do? Is try to defend yourself. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't answer the charges sometimes. But the vast majority of time, the best thing you can do is just keep doing what you were doing in the first place. You see, God doesn't want you wasting your time trying to sort out your own legacy, we might say, if we want to borrow from political speak. You let him take care of that. You be obedient to him today. Or will you be there saying... Lord, when saw we thee and hungered? When saw we thee naked and ministered unto? When, when did we see you in prison and visited you? Jesus said, in the fact that you did it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. It's time to forget about who you are and study who he is. That's what this passage is all about. But there's a lot of things in our lives, and I don't want to be long today, that will hinder you from understanding who Christ is. We could go through the list. There are people who won't come to Christ because their mind is filled with the filth of this world. Let me tell you, you want your brain clean, you wash it with the water of the word. It's the only medicine that will clean out your mind. Amen? There are people who won't come to Christ because they're after me. They're, 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 they're trying to manipulate me. They're, they're playing mind games. My favorite answer is I got rid of mine a long time ago. There's nothing up there to play with anymore. You say, well, what do you mean? I gave it to Christ. Criticize it all you want. 
Because what's there ought to be what's here. And if you want to attack this, be my guest. Better than you have failed. Go right ahead. I want to serve Christ. There are people who won't come to Christ because they want a good life. But let me tell you, the only place you're going to find a good life is in Christ. But, but I want to be happy. Hey, let me tell you, true joy and peace is better than a little fleeting happiness that you can wring out of the pleasures of this world. But, but I, I just want to have a, 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 a decent life. I remember one of my daughters came to me and said, but, but Dad, if I, if I surrender to marry whoever God wants, will he be ugly? You know, I said, God's got a lot better taste than you do. And he will do what he wants to do. But not until you've given up. You can strive for the things of this world. You can, you can work. But I got to pay my bills. Yes, you do. But you don't have to keep bar to do it. Amen. Amen? You don't have to go out and serve the slop of the world to get what you need to serve God. God will always give you what you need <coughs> excuse me, to serve Him because God wants you to serve Him. You will never have to go to the world to get what you need to serve God. You will never plot and plan and make something up in your own mind and strategize or whatever you want to call it and come out one whit better for the Lord Jesus Christ. said, you're just one of them dumb old Bible believers. Yes, I am. I proudly admit that. Because I've seen what this book has done. And I want it. I do not want the things of this world. I gave up on my plans and my ambitions and all the things I wanted as a 16-year-old boy and went off to Bible college a year later. And I've never looked back. Because what Christ gives is far beyond. And when I stand before Christ one day, it's not going to be... Lord, look at all these wonderful things I did for you. It's going to be, Lord, thank you for using me. That's why we will cast the crowns at his feet. Because he did the work. And if he didn't do it, it won't count on judgment day. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you have spent your life this week trying to save it? Trying to get ahead? Trying to do what needs to be done? Trying to stave off one more attack? Trying to step on one more head so I can get up a little higher? 
and won't count when we stand before Christ, my friend. How about losing your life? How many of you have ever... uh, uh, Let me reword this. How many of you have been... Remember back when you were struggling in the world, before you got saved, how many of you ever got satisfaction out of anything you've done? Oh, it wears off now, doesn't it? What used to be ain't no more. But what's done for Christ will last for eternity. It's simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. That's salvation. But let me tell you something. That's how you live each and every day. It is losing yourself. It is forgetting about what people are going to think about you. We're here to worship Jesus Christ today. We make no apologies for that. Then why are we more afraid of what the world will think of us than we are what Jesus will think of us? That's what this passage is all about. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. May I go on record saying, I want to be a loser. I want to lose my life that he can give me his. Have you made that decision to trust Jesus as your Savior today? If you haven't, you can make that decision today. If you have, I made that decision just so there's no misunderstanding, August 28th, 1977, a little while ago. He saved me ever since. He only saves you once, but it's forever. Amen. But how many times have I stepped out of the way and tried to save a certain portion of my own life? instead of surrendering it to him. That's what the altar's for. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Will you lose your life so that you can find his, or will you continue to seek your own life And have even that which you seem to have taken away from you at the judgment seat of Christ. Those are the only two options this book called the Bible gives us. Being in this auditorium, you no longer have an excuse to lose your life by trying to keep it. Give it to Jesus. Let go. And trust God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning.
And Lord, we just simply ask a question here. Lord, that the Holy Spirit would be able to give us honesty this morning as we look at ourselves individually, that we would not take time to look at others or to think what's going on in other people's lives. But Lord, that we would look at our own life and our own heart and we would look to you. And let your word judge us as to whether we've been saving it or whether we've truly lost it that we may find the life that you have for us. We're thankful, Lord, that you gave us the example of the cross. We're also thankful, Lord, that you've not called us to follow you to the cross, but just to be that living sacrifice. We ask you to work in each life here present that you may be glorified in the lives that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. The hymn of invitation.